Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today on our show, we've got another amazing guest. He was the second overall NHL draft pick in 1981, has survived a broken neck, and is the author of two books, The Trauma Code and Thriving in Transition. Welcome to the show, Doug Smith. How are you doing today? Very well, Dr. Hardy. Dave, thank you very <laughs> much for having me. Always uh, fantastic to, to talk about the future of health. Absolutely. And you have, you've been through it. That's for sure. Um, now, your dream of playing in the NHL happened really young. And it didn't take that long for the dream to turn into a bit of a nightmare in those early stages. Uh, can you kind of walk us through your early NHL experience? Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Ottawa, first of all. Uh, and I have a passion per, for performance, um, trauma, and recovery. So, so that's 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 the thing that uh, I've spent my time growing and building. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be groomed, and I say groomed, conditioned, whatever word you'd like to use, right? Uh, to be the first uh, player in the Ottawa district uh, um, to go through. The, the hockey program, the Ottawa District Hockey Association, and make it to the NHL. Wow. So that's that. That was constructed uh, very early in my life. Awesome. Now to kind of make it into the NHL, there. Um, if you had looked at your childhood, and uh, uh, you were probably not the one that they choose early on in life to pick as the the star NHL player, then. Um, you wore ankle and hip leg braces, uh, kind of like Forrest Gump. Uh, how did all of that kind of uh, set you up for success later, though? Yeah, I, I, I was put into ankle to hip leg braces as a very young child because of rickets, soft tissue deformities in my legs, uh, in my knees, mm -hmm. uh, around my knees. And so, so my, my legs were turning inward, right? And, and so they had to do something about that. And so I was, I was fastened in those things like Forrest Gump for a couple of years. And I was very young though, right? One and a half to maybe three. And, and, I, and I remember when they took them off at night, um, you know, when you stretch your legs out and it's just, there's that feeling of relief when you get to the end that, that right. I couldn't do that. Right. Like during the day, I couldn't release that tension. And, and I, I always remember that. And then when they took the leg braces off, when they said, okay, you're good, you're healthy. Everything's good. Rick, it's good. I started running I, exactly like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> And nobody could catch me and I, I could run forever. So I was running long distance in high school. I was, and just about every sport I picked up, I, I seemed to obsess about it so much that I became, you know, one of the best players at whatever, you know, from freestyle Frisbee to, I was pitching hardball for two teams. I played on my dad's broomball team as a 15 year old. I, I it was, it, it was crazy. I just went from one thing to the next. So, when it stopped later uh, and it ended my career, it was it was quite an impact. So you were kind of a multi-sport athlete before uh, hockey, then. Yeah, it was it was going to be lacrosse. Um, okay. 
wanted me to go lacrosse, but thank goodness it, it didn't go that way because there was no NCAA for lacrosse at that time. Right. Uh, but I was I was playing as an underage and scoring five to seven goals a game. Wow. Yeah, like I was so good at that game. Like I was ranked number at age fourteen. I think I was ranked number two in Canada. Me and a guy oh. named Dougie Evans out of uh, out of Peterborough. So okay. so my brain just seemed to be wired to to play sports. And my mom was a tennis player, and so uh, and and if I wasn't playing sports, I was being very destructive. Right. There was no inertia for me. I, w- I was either creating something spectacular or I was I was destroying things just as fast. Right. Now you go on later to actually explain kind of that tendency that the things you can get away in hockey, uh, the average person would be arrested for. Uh, can you kind of walk us through kind of that personality or persona that that was maybe yeah. part of your psyche? Happy to. Yeah, I was conditioned to knock people down. Um, intimidate them, and then take what they have. Wow. And, That's all. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my life. Mm-hmm. I went out on the ice. There was only two, there's, there's only two things on my CV that come from the NHL, score goals and defend that. Right. There's just nothing else. That's all, that's all you do. Score goals and defend that. Just That's the only thing you can put on your resume as your roles and responsibilities. So what, um, the rest what, of the time is the rest of the time is is intimidation, um, making sure that the other guy knows that you can beat him and that you will and you'll enjoy it and you'll enjoy his um, his experience uh, of of feeling terrible about himself. Right. So it really is kind of this. I got to be better than the other person, even if he's on my same team. And do you feel like you get kind of trapped in the sport then? Yeah, well, it, it's a different economy. You know, when you cross over into, in, into the economy that isn't sport, you, you see it, right? So the rules and the structure of the, uh, of the environment dictate the behaviors. And it, and it works like that in regular society as well. The structure, leadership, strategy, people. It has to be that way. Right. Because information is no longer a competitive advantage. Like what I know, you'll know in 24 hours if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're this 18 year old kid gets into drafted by the the L.A. Kings and uh, you've got your dream of being this pro hockey player and so initially, it's got to be this huge high, right? Um, but what was the uh, culture? I, I arrived in training camp uh, without a contract. I arrived in Victoria, BC, without a contract. And on the first day on the ice, I was told that if I didn't slow down, because you didn't go to training camp to get a position, you get you went to training camp to get in shape, but I was already in shape. <laughs> so so, so I was told and, and threatened in, in my first training camp, I didn't have a contract. They let... I was, I was allowed to go to training camp without a contract. Second pick wow. overall. Imagine if I would have got hurt the second day. You'd be I, done. I, I'd be done. Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new, higher level than ever before? Then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. 
I, I, I'd be done. Would have been done. Never experienced the NHL. And so that, that was really what was going on. There was, there, there was massive disorganization that the players association had been riddled by all sorts of, um, you know, nasty people. And, and we were just coming out of that. It doesn't, it doesn't resemble what it looked like then. Uh, but I arrived in LA and, um, yeah, they put me in the airport park hotel in Inglewood, California. They left me there for two months. It was in a bad area of town. I, I went and bought a, a, a turbo Porsche, uh, cash off the showroom floor in, uh, in Long Beach. I parked it at the airport park hotel. Um, I was picking up hitchhikers on Manchester Boulevard in Los Angeles. You know, I, I got robbed. I pitched, pick up hitchhikers until I got robbed because where I came from, it was okay to pick up somebody who needed a ride. Right. But, but right. nobody, nobody taught me at 18 years old, two, two weeks after I turned 18, I was property of the LA Kings and there was nobody that was there to, to teach me a thing. Um, and today, today it's changed. They have, they're doing it the right way. They've got six supporters, you know, everything that Connor McDavid needs. And I've been out and spent time with Connor and, you know, every, everything he needs is chef, all the, all the stuff to keep him healthy and strong and, and, and keep him out of trouble. Right. From the people that try to get your money too. I mean, right. I, I lost more money than I ever made. Right. Wow. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like it's nuts. So, so, so that was my experience. And when I was 19, um, a guy named Paul Mulvey was sitting beside me on the bench playing for the Los Angeles Kings and Don Perry was the coach and Paul Mulvey was ordered to go out and fight uh, Semenko who was playing for the Edmonton Oilers. And you didn't want to fight Semenko. That was a very dangerous thing. So he said, no on the bench. He said, no. And then the coach decided to railroad him out of the NHL. And then Paul Mulvey sued the LA Kings and Don Perry. And I was called into court to testify against my coach at 19 years old. Jeez, what an experience that must've been. Well, (laughs) nobody knows about it because there wasn't phones or social media. If there was social media back then, let's say (laughs) Connor McDavid was getting called into court to testify against his coach. Right. It'd it'd be on every news station (laughs) on the planet be a media storm that's for sure wow no they kept everything hush hush just keep it behind closed doors scotty bowman used to take me to a doctor in pittsburgh that lived you know downstairs in this basement and was 90 years old and you know used to shake things to try to make me better that's the kind of stuff that i saw (laughs) wow yeah these are the early days of of professional hockey right the the league sure evolved but during this time though you're put through the absolute ringer there and uh oh i was having fun don't get hey i lived in la for five years from 18 to 23 i still have good friends one of my buddies uh rick virag who worked with aldo nova just got his first record contract he's the same age as me i met him because of the la kings we're still friends today um you know, I, I had a tremendous time. Don't get me wrong. And and all the things I talk about weren't necessarily all the fault of the LA Kings or the National Hockey League. Let's just right. split them. Let's just split them 50-50. Cause because I you know, I was created to be like to use my ego, you know, and to wear it and to like I, 
I was conditioned to do one thing. So I wasn't very functional outside of that one thing. And, and I also suffered from, I was diagnosed when I was 13 with ADD, which, which is ADHD today. And, right. and, and so I was dealing with that uh, in my life. Now, mind you, my mom took me to transcendental meditation. So I was able to manage it to a certain extent. And I use transcendental meditation to manage my brain today. Because if I, if, if I don't use it to manage my brain, it, my brain just wanders into places that, that are not healthy for me, right? That drive me down, that are negative. Right. Absolutely. Now, you're given a lot of these tools, but you're also given a lot of adversity to handle at a young age. Uh, what do you think kind of the, the difference is between kind of this, all right, feed them to the sharks mentality versus... Uh, how some people say the the coddle approach that's used nowadays. Um, what would you say kind of the, the contrasts are and uh, the benefits of both? Do whatever you want with the physical body within the law, right? That's what they're going to do. Yep. But the mental side of things is evolving. We're, we're in an evolutionary place right now. Um, multiple object tracking, University of Montreal, uh, Dr. Jocelyn Fulbert, um, things that build spatial capacity, which is directed, directly related to neurocognitive ability. We haven't even touched it yet. The, no, technology I'm, the, the technology I'm looking at on the brain and the psychiatrists that are running the mental health care system in Canada that I deal with, Dr. Northoff, for example, and, and how you unlock the brain because the brain is coded. And then, these are encyclopedias, then the brain becomes conscious. So linear, linear coding, consciousness comes second. There's a gap in between coding and consciousness. What does that mean? That you don't have any control, but to become what you're around. So, you know, I like to show people that because once they know that they become what they're around and they can't avoid it, right? That, then all of a sudden their whole world like changes in the way they look at things. They can resist that change all they want but it's not going to be effective resisting it. Absolutely. So there's different parts of the brain, obviously, and the brain really to, to kind of sum it up for, for the listeners out there is it, it's a sensory motor organ that you're constantly bringing in sensory input. And that then fires into our centers that are going to arouse us or put us in a different state. And then it's an emotional cognitive experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of this is starting to be developed and looked into more. And the physical really builds into the emotional side of things. And then of course, the emotional is going to have physical consequences. Yeah, but you can see it. That's the thing, right? That's my right. work. You can see so everything you can see related to trauma that hurts your performance, we're already dealing with it. Right. What we're not dealing with, with is the fourth type of trauma that I describe in my presentations, and that's part of my keynote, which is cumulative emotional trauma. And I break down cumulative emotional trauma into its smallest pieces and how it works and give people examples of how it works in their life. And they can't not see it. If we show it to them, they can't not see it. Whether they act on it or not, I can't... <laughs> Like, I, I can't get that deep into it, right? I can only show it to them. Right. 
Well, for the listeners, what are some examples then of cumulative emotional trauma? Oh, how does it present in for, life? Looking forward to the weekends, dreading oh, yeah. Monday morning. Right. Going into an environment where you feel really uncomfortable and tense and, and, and you can't release, you know, all, all the past experiences that you've had where, where they get they get trapped in there and then you feel that overheating. Right. That, that, that's cumulative emotional trauma. That's trauma. And, and, and if you want to deal with all the symptoms of trauma, like anxiety and all, all the things that you hear, they're all symptoms. There's only one trauma. Trauma is trauma is trauma. Right. Right. It will always be with you. Always. It's not going to go away. It's not a fix, but it doesn't have to control you. So, so, so this is a management issue. So, so what I'm teaching people is if you don't manage this thing, both individually and cumulatively, uh, it's going to make you behave in ways and you won't know why. You won't be able to explain why. And, and, and if somebody challenges you on that, you're, you'll actually fight them. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> people go, what? Whoa, you're looking inside my head. You're making things up for me. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not, I, I guess I am. If you haven't seen it before, I'm making it up for you. I, I'm giving you the order. And that's all, that's all the trauma code does is it gives you the order that your brain works in. So, so the, in a knowledge worker society, we, and to evolve as a human race, we need to get better at this thing called trauma. So how does one get better at this thing called trauma then? Oh, just um, understanding it. Yeah, just, okay. just un, under, understanding that, that it's the only one. There's only one. Understanding that there's only four types of trauma, just four. Catastrophic physical, catastrophic emotional, cumulative physical, and cumulative emotional. And you have to be aware that your, your subconscious brain controls you. It's 95% of your human functioning. So if you want to improve your human functioning, which is performance... Right. It's important that you need to know what the priorities are so that you're not breaking the rules all over the place. Meeting basic needs. Clarity of thought. And helping other people. Right. That's the only three things that your 800 pound gorilla, which is your subconscious brain. That's the only three things it cares about. And, and, and then what we do is we teach the behaviors in the proper order, starting with awareness and then purpose, then motivation, right? Then focus, then belief in self. We, we've put them in the right order. There's eight of them. And those eight behaviors specifically feed the three priorities. And then what happens is the trauma, even the trauma you can't see, is managed better. It's almost like pieces of it fall away, but they don't fall away. You know, you know as well as I do, they're always there. And they're, they're there back through gen generations without getting into epigenetics, right? And, and I right. don't go there. It's just too big. <laughs> well, we really can go down the rabbit hole with this. But to kind of get the main theme, um, what I'm picking up with cumulative emotional trauma is that these are little things that are going to build up, build up, build up and cause more and more tension if we don't draw awareness to it and if we don't handle it properly, correct? Yes, it's a ticking time bomb. Wow. It, it, it is in all of our lives because we're never going to be able to see it all. But it's not difficult to put a system in place 
to be able to manage it. No different than wearing an Apple watch, right? I mean, right. just, just, just make a couple of rules for yourself, right? Un understand the, you know, how the, how the process, how the, how the process works, uh, what the pieces of the process are. And you don't need to learn it like in a day. But, but at least if I can make people aware that that subconscious brain is in control, it has three priorities, and then you can pick away at it because you're already doing a lot of things to manage it or else you'd be running around with no clothes on, you know, stealing food and trying to hurt people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough example. <laughs> or playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good one. I'm going to use that again. Right. I think I just got the visual from uh, Slapshot. <laughs> <laughs> I met all those guys. I met the brothers uh, from Slapshot. Uh, I got a great picture of them that I'll send you uh, after the show. But uh, they came to our prior when I was playing in an alumni game uh, with the Ottawa Senators alumni. And I got I got some great photos with those guys. It was a real uh, honor. Oh, nice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> all right so some of the viewers out there are probably like yeah this sounds great but uh maybe they they don't have the belief behind it as as much as they they probably could um so this is hockey this is sports and yeah there's back and forth there's everything else how does this apply to kind of just the normal work environment then well, it just applies to us. It's not, it's not yes. necessarily the, the work environment. Uh, this is something that we apply to ourselves. We don't, you know, we could show it to other people, but they'll, you know, they'll use what they want. You can't dictate what they're going to, what they're going to be attracted to. Right. So you say though, setting down rules for yourself. And of course it's still kind of that real big, uh, hockey, tough mentality, rules, okay, I'm going to abide by these. How does that go into, say, somebody who's struggling and having problems talking themselves up to, to face the day, they're dreading Monday? How do they apply these concepts to their life then? Oh, okay, so it's like a scale, right? As, as your awareness about trauma goes up, right, your worries uh, go down. Ah. Right? So it's like a, you're, you're dealing with a scale here because the biggest inhibitor of human performance that I, that we've been able to establish. And I, I've done some work with uh, Gabor Mate and been participated in some PhD dissertations. It, 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 it this is where things are, are going. So I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, no, that's a beautiful train of thought. So yeah, this does go into obviously the work on, on uh, trauma leading to addictions and to all sorts of downfalls in society as well, um, yeah, which kind of leads I, us into this this big topic in, in your other book is that, well, horrible events happen. And whether it's multiple little things that pick away at you or a bigger traumatic event or combinations of this, uh, people are forced into kind of these uh, very uncomfortable transition periods in their life. Uh, very stressful events, whether it's a career change, whether it's mm -hmm. a divorce, whether it's an injury such as a yes. broken neck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how, how do people thrive in these transition periods where things are just basically going to shit in their lives? 
Well, change, uh, I, I find change, uh, trauma and, and, and trauma to be pretty much the same word. Right. You know, and, and, and performance and recovery are the same word for the brain. Yes. Yep. So if you, if you want to figure them out, change and trauma go together and, uh, performance and recovery go together because the brain doesn't know the difference. Uh, you, you, you think you're all like brilliant and everything. And we all think we're all brilliant about knowing the difference between certain things, but, but we don't, we can't like it, when I've, I've broken them down and, and with some really brilliant people, uh, it's really a simple way to look at it that, uh, I think you'd be right more times than you'll be wrong if you use it. Okay. Absolutely. So, all right, there's this traumatic event and we've got a few kind of awareness steps. Then the thriving part kind of comes in. How does that, that look oh, like continue. For, for people? It, it, it's on one spectrum. The, the, the whole thing's like trauma and high performance are on one spectrum. Right. Right. It's just, it's, it's just in a, it's in a, like a, in a car a dashboard, you know, it's like your accelerator needle. And like if you're really, down and out, if, cause I, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with people who have tr like, I deal with situations that are horrendous, right? Be because I'm one of the, I'm, I'm, there's not too many of us who can walk into a, a room where there's a 16 year old who's been in a car accident, who's got a broken neck and is paralyzed from the chest down. Right. And that's something you went through. Uh, can you walk us through that, that event where you did break your neck? Yeah, that, that was the big life changer for sure. Um, when I, well, I went into the boards in, in professional game 607, full speed, head first, about 23 miles an hour. The impact force when I hit the boards would, would be the same as you accelerating from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in a third of a second. Wow. And so the compression of that impact caused C5 and C6 to explode. My neck was broken in about 100 places and all the ligaments in the back of my neck were torn from the impact. And I fell to the ice with my head on my hands. But, but, the, but the cool thing about it, the thing that changed my life was what I saw when that happened. First, a big flash of light. Um, I couldn't see anything through my eyes, but because of the pain and, and then the bright light from, from the impact. And then while I was lying on the ice, I was conscious and all I could see was all the times that I had let people down. I had not shown up. You know, it wasn't all the times that I had scored the big goal or people had talked about me, like all the things that you think that you'd want in your life. Right. It was the times that I didn't show up or that I hurt somebody and I, and I was trying to hurt them. You know what I mean? I, hmm. and, and so I saw all that and I made a commitment while I was lying on the ice with a broken neck career over game 607. I made that commitment on the ice that I was going to do better than I had done to get to this point in my life. And so that was the sort of the catalyst behind developing uh, the process as I wrote in my journals that I used to get out of a situation that was worse than any situation I had ever heard of before. So, you know, all of this came from my journals and, you know, I see Matthew McConaughey out there now talking about the journal too. Right. And it seems like there's a pattern here is, you know, I took this message from going from, a to B 
and writing it down and telling the story. So maybe people just need to get their story on paper a little more. I think for me, it changed, it changed me when I, when I realized that, you know, I had to do better and, and figuring out how I was going to do better rather than feel bad and feel stressed out and feel anxiety before every game and feel bad because I didn't score the goal or get the assist or I went from trying to be the best in the world to trying to be the best for the world. And I, and I coined that about 12 years ago on a TV show in the U S uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it still plays today. Wow. Now you really have done that though. You've been on the board of directors for, uh, for uh, the paraplegic society in Ottawa, correct? Well, the, I was on the Ontario board of directors for the, for the Canadian, for, for CPA, the Canadian Paraplegic Association. Yes, we've, we, I was involved at, in 98 when we pushed mandates, you know, through to create the, uh, the Disabilities Act. So, okay. so I, you know, I sat at the boardroom table. I traveled all over Ontario trying to get people to change faster than they wanted to. <laughs> so, so, so now I'm patient with people. Like I try to take them through a slower process. When I get out of the NHL, I wanted everybody to change like boom right away. I, I just, that's, that's what I wanted. And, and I didn't know why they weren't. And today, after all this experience, I know why they weren't because change, change takes, you know, when you're dealing with more than one person, change takes uh, some time. Right. So newly converted, I'm going to make a change and then not change fast enough. Was that traumatic for yourself then? Well, I mean, I was, uh, so I, I ended up three surgeries in suffering a high level spinal cord injury. So I was paralyzed from the chest down and that spun me into a, into a place where um, I wanted to die because I couldn't turn the paddles on in the shower when I was brought there, when I was in the hospital, I, I, I could, there was nothing that I could do for myself. And I lost my bladder and my bowels. And, you know, that, that, that experience um, um, al allows me to go in and help people at that level. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and so I can't do it too much though, because for about eight or nine years, that's what I was doing. And, and, and it really, it really took a lot out of me, um, in many ways, not, not just physically, but psychologically. How long of a rehab battle was it then for you? Um, it was 13 years to skate again. Right. So I was a year in a hospital bed. I was addicted to morphine because I was on 250 milligrams of morphine a day. And they were giving me halcyon to sleep because I had four screws in my head as well. Right. So in, mm -hmm. in halo fixation. So so I spent a year in a hospital bed um, and then about 11 months in my bladder still wasn't working. I was getting out of bed. My my wife had had we had a two year old and a newborn. We had a, a wow. child was born a week before I was paralyzed. And, and I was taking morphine because I needed it for the pain. But the only way I could think of getting off, getting, getting off the catheter three times a day was to stop the morphine. And I remember it. I remember the last half pill I had 30 years ago to, 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 when I had to leave that behind. And I left it behind. And within six weeks, my bladder started functioning and my bladder is still functioning today. Great stuff. Wow. But just getting off of the, just getting off of the drugs, getting off stuff that hurt my performance. Mm -hmm. you know, physically 
Um, and that's testimonial for me. Like I, I, I'm, I'm so sensitive in that area. I even Tylenol threes, like I gotta, I gotta steer clear of certain things because as soon as I lose any type of sensitivity to my body from my brain, I get certain things. I start to get certain things that don't work the same. Right. (laughs) Because I'm I'm right in between. I I live in between quadriplegic and able-bodied and I've, I've only got feeling in these two fingers. But I can still, I can still, I, I can still uh, do freestyle frisbee with one finger, right? So there you go. Hey, I've never <laughs> dropped it before. Not on a show. Edit that out. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have to worry about that shit anymore. I used to worry about it a lot, right? Right. And I still get that twinge. Of, oh, geez, I dropped it. I'm going to look bad. You know, don't we all have that? Right. right. <laughs> it used to be a lot worse though for me. Like, you know, when the, when the puck went in the net, it was tough. And when I, when I hit the boards, I realized uh, that, that the whole concept that I had been taught from a young age um, w- wasn't the concept to go with. And, right. and I, and I learned that, you know, the shift had to be above the, above the neck, not below the neck. Right through the process because because when when your whole physical body is taken away from you um it has to change you and the reason i know this is because i can't really speak to people in depth about it unless they've already had a spinal cord injury because they they don't have any concept of of the space between uh being able to feel things with you know below the neck we just we just assume it it works and it's designed to be that way though a lot of this is autonomic and like when i've worked with people with concussions and and other other areas it's these facets of life that uh, we really shouldn't have to think about when they go wrong it becomes maddening to people and and that's mm-hmm. the very confusing thing to to explain to people about the brain and then of course you went through it where you lose complete sensation and and being locked into to not being able to have that freedom that comes with movement and and especially when your whole career and life was around it um, that had to be something that was just earth turning for for yourself and uh, amazing progress on 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 that thirteen year journey to to get back to, to where you're at. Um, are you still seeing gains though and still working mentally and physically on, on your brain and body that way then? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, probably a 1600 uh, table tennis player. So I, I play, I play in, in a league of, of elite players. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Yeah. I, I've always played. I, I lost very, very seldom in the NHL. Randy Gregg beat me. And I think Yari Curry beat me once or twice, but <laughs> nobody ever really could beat me. But I've, I've formalized my game now for my brain because it's the best game in the world, right? For the, for the human brain, because again, you're tracking. And when you track things in three dimensions, your spatial capacity grows and you get smarter. So, so I don't see a, a limit. Uh, i I'm, I'm playing in a league. I just moved to a league above the last league I was in. So I'm taking a beating right now. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, but you know I'm 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 about eleven eight against the you know against the top division. So uh, you know maybe I'll get there, right? I'm I, I plan on getting there. <laughs> so how does this competitiveness now differ than your competitiveness when you were first starting out in the league? Well, it's in. I mean, table tennis is inside, right? Tennis is inside, and I play tennis as well. Um, golf, and I competed at golf. Like I was a scratch golfer when I was fifteen, right? Like, but I never played those games because uh, I didn't have a goalie. They didn't have somebody to back me up. That's you know, <laughs> I was always worried about that. I don't. I don't know why. That's just me. Uh, so now I'm in a game where it's me, right? When you play table tennis, it's you. There's you can't blame anybody for anything. You, you know, it's it's all internal, intrinsic. Right. Where, where when you're playing a team sport, uh, you know, you got some you got some flexibility there, some time to think, right? Well, now you still are sort of playing team sports, though, um, more so in the business area, though. Uh, can you kind of speak to the transition and mentality in yourself then uh, when it comes to career performance with uh, JPOM? Yeah, well, just I have to settle things down constantly. Like I've got really cool things going on. JPOM has some really cool customers, very high level customers that need our help with technology. Um, you know, one of the companies is 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 Voltari, for example, which is you know the fastest and longest uh, and and longest range electric electric uh, boat in the world. Okay. So, so I'm applying what I've, what I've learned about trauma to other areas of my life and overlaying it on different things. Cause that's the thing. Once you understand trauma, you can overlay it on just about everything. Cause, cause you'll find that trauma is everywhere. Once you understand it, right. and you don't have to fight against it. So, so, you know, and then, and then next month I've been asked to speak at uh, Notre Dame university in grand uh, in uh, South Bend, Indiana. So, so I'm speaking in front of 800 people down there, uh, demonstrating this and and speaking with some elite speakers. Like these are the speakers that I was listening to and watching like 10 years ago. And I, and, and some new ones that are incredible, like uh, high level people. Um, so that's the 20, that's going to be May 23rd, 24th, 25th at Notre Dame university, uh, grand band, Indiana, take, check out the lineup. It's the purpose point summit. Okay. Purpose point summit. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, people should attend if they can. um, But where would they find out more information about yourself then to to build on the knowledge you've already shared with them today? Oh, yeah, yeah. Come come to my website, you can go to the trauma code. You know, my, my, my second book is the trauma code. My first book is thriving in transition change and trauma. Right, (laughs) right. Story with pictures. Story and the science. Nice. Right? So story I got out of the way first. Anybody can do this. There's actually a, a roadmap on how you write your story in this book. And then I use the roadmap again to marry the science to my story because I wanted it to be accepted. There's 10 pages of medical references in here. So I, like I wanted people to be able to dive deeper into the subject matter. And they have. Like I, I just... Uh, if you take a look at my website, you see the testimonials. It's like, to me, it's shocking. I just go there sometimes just to look and, and on Google now, like people are talking about this and, and, and I've been talking about it since 2012. 
Right. Like that's 10 years ago. And now it, it, everything seems to be emerging in this space and emerging yes. in a good way, in a good way, because we're looking at trying to fix it. Right. We're not going, I don't suffer from that. I don't, you know, try, like, here's the cool thing is. But anyway, I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> I got on a roll there. I know it is going to come out in another top or uh, or others are going to to reach out to you and challenge you on the, on that last point. So I do Oh yeah, come at me. I got I got the rules ready to go. I'm 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 uh, I'm preparing my five rules uh, right now the out of the out of the many rules there are, I want to make sure I get the I get the five rules, the best ones, so that you can get the most uptake out of out of my message. I love it. So check out DougSmithPerformance.com and tune into the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. <laughs>